You're tuned in to Vintage McCoy, where history matters. Stick around, we're going to have a great time as we look at this important installment. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have never been more hopeful about America. And the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One small step for man. be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of me. Sweet land of liberty of the Arsene. We shall pay any price, bear any dirt, uphold any foe to ensure the survival and the success of liberty. It is indeed we are the defenders of freedom. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. We hold these truths be self-evident that all men are created one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Those who forget the past are destined to be And now, your host, Pastor Rob McCoy. Hey, this is Rick Brown filling in for Rob McCoy, and we want to talk to you tonight about America's insurrection. What we have seen in the last year is the tip of the iceberg of a foundation that has been being laid through academia and various things of postmodernism, which leads to socialism and anarchism, the things that are taking root and that we see in this last year is a microcosm of something that's going to be macro or in a large way unless the course of history turns. You and I as American citizens are a part of one of the greatest experiments that's ever happened on planet Earth as we are a part of this incredible constitutional republic that gives us liberty and freedom like no other people have experienced in the history of the world. That liberty and freedom leads us into incredible prosperity. But what are the roots of that liberty? What are the roots of that prosperity? We want to look at that because the opposite of this incredible liberty and prosperity is what is coming, American insurrection that leads to bondage and tyranny and slavery. Take a glimpse just over the last year. A group of people lit a dumpster on fire and pushed it against the Justice Center. Police across the country warning about a potentially long, hot summer of violence, even terror attacks. People threw frozen water bottles, eggs, metal spikes, and other items at officers. A group of rioters moved throughout several city blocks, causing destruction, tore down fencing around Chapman Square. Continue to follow this overnight breaking news story. <gasps> Minneapolis police station that was set ablaze late last night. Officers involved in the death of 46-year-old George Floyd were he crowds back amidst the looting and burning. All right, a Fox News alert now. Violence escalating overnight in Minneapolis. Says, this is an apartment complex under construction. As we see what has unfolded over the last year, we realize that there has just been gasoline poured upon this uh, this land through this indoctrination very slow that has crept in and making its way, as I said, through our educational systems, our philosophical agenda, the mainstream media promoted by Hollywood, by the uh, um, techno elites, these billionaires that are pushing forward this socialist agenda that leads to ultimate communism. And you and I, if you have any common sense, you realize you can see the handwriting on the wall. 
I feel a bit like C.S. Lewis. He said, when, you, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. And you and I may feel like we're in the minority, but I promise you there's a lot more people through the fabric of America, through the heartland of America, that see things as we do, and they're deeply concerned. And I want to share with you in this installment of Vintage McCoy the foundation that brings incredible freedom or awful bondage to any nation, to any people. It starts as an individual, if you will, and then into the family, then into a community, then into an entire nation. Now, we want to look at this first against the black backdrop of the real damage that comes with these ideologies. And sometimes we're just confused in the morass of all the information we get. And I want to boil it down, distill it into these three simple concepts. Now, this is something our founding fathers understood and what has made America great. But the opposite of what has made America great is that which is the oppression of all the nations of the world where there's tyrannical leaders and why those people flee those nations at whatever uh, physical cost, uh, physical harm, cost, uh, financially, and however they might get there to make their way to the shores and the borders of the land of the free and the home of the brave. Why is that? Well, because they're coming from places that look like this with the concept of the black triangle of tyranny. Now, the black triangle of tyranny is very simple. Look at any nation that is under an oppressive, fascist, communistic, totalitarian regime, and you will see these same common principles. The black triangle of tyranny is unbelief, immorality, and oppression. Now, in this triangle, these three points, is that you have to, first of all, remove faith. That's why, through the Russian Revolution, they had to close down the churches and declare that there was no God. Because faith-filled people will rise up and resist and fight for liberty. And so you must produce an indoctrination, a propaganda, that there is no God. You need to take away their spiritual freedom, their spiritual liberty, their ability to gather together, to worship, and to build faith. Because faith is a threat to all tyranny. Why? Because in all these regimes, whether it's the... Uh, Russian Revolution or the Chinese Revolution, they did the same thing. They shut down the churches and they removed the supremacy of God. They removed the ultimate authority. That's why people of faith are a threat, because we look at God as the ultimate, the ultimate authority. Whereas in Russia and in China and in North Korea, in these oppressive places, the government must have the supremacy. Now understand this. This is a basic com uh, concept that once you boil it down in the triangle, the black triangle of tyranny, you must remove faith in God as the ultimate supremacy, you, and which leads to, next, to immorality. Because if there is no God, and I don't have to give an account to my Creator, and there is no afterlife, and I'll never stand before Him, then who cares how I live in a moral way? You see, immorality is a lack of moral virtue or moral excellence. And so you'll see in cultures that remove God, then morally their culture declines, and then they end up in oppression. Now, this cycle then continues and just perpetuates. There is no God. There are no morals. And since that's true, anybody, any thug that can fight his way through a political organization, through a political process that can produce a military coup, once he gets on top, since there is no God and he's the ultimate supreme 
authority, then he can, without moral uh, pangs in his conscience, he can do to the people whatever he wants to serve himself, and he can oppress them because he never has to give an account to a creator. And you can see how these three things work together in uh, this uh, trifecta of evil to destroy. Now, this is true in a person's life individually, so boil it down to the microscopic. If a person says, there is no God, therefore I have no morals, he will lead himself into bondage because sin always leads to oppression or slavery. So remove God, you have no morals, now you're in slavery. Jesus said, whoever is a slave is a slave to sin. Now, in this process, whether it's an individual, and sometimes it's in an entire family that's going on, in the family there's no faith in God, and there's a very low moral standard, then that family lives in bondage and a slavery of their own choosing and reaping what they sow. We see this as an example throughout a cyclic process of the history of Israel in the book of Judges. It happens over and over and over. They have faith in God. They are morally wanting to walk with God. And God blesses them, and they have incredible liberty and freedom. At the end of a period of time where they were oppressed and they had forgotten God, in Judges 5.31, it says, So the land had rest for 40 years. Rest is a picture of blessing and prosperity and the goodness of God because they had went through a cycle where uh, Barak and Deborah, Deborah was the judge of the time and uh, Barak was the general, and they were set free as they cried out to God. So they had rest, and this is what you see, cyclic or seasonal periods of freedom in a person's life, in a family, in a culture, in a country. And as a wonderful uh, laboratory experiment, if you will, for us to be able to examine and look at is the nation of Israel. So when they did well, they had rest, they had blessing, they had prosperity. America does not have rest right now. It doesn't have the blessing and prosperity that we have had in the past. And things are beginning to decline. And we want to look at the underpinning of our nation, why that's true. Now, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, just looking at verses 1 and 2, and then also verse 6, we see that they went through another cycle. They went through 40 years of wonderful rest and blessing. And then it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. You see, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They turned away from the Lord and began to worship false gods. And as soon as their unbelief took place, we don't trust you anymore, God, they went into immorality, and then it led to bondage. That's the cycle throughout the book of Judges. That's the cycle throughout the history of Israel. That's the cycle in people's individual lives, and that's the cycle in families and nations. America is no different. We go through cycles. We go through this ebb and flow of wanting to struggle and contend for liberty when the long reach of those who would bring tyranny and oppression, and they bring the same things into our world. Don't believe in God. There are no moral standards. Oppression comes. At the end of that period of time, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a guy by the name of Gideon. And in Judges chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Notice the bookends of this process was 40 years. They cried out. to. They had this time of oppression, then 40 years, and then another time. 40 years is this typical uh, season or lifespan, if you will, sometimes of uh, individuals or a season of time, and a season of time of testing. And America is going through a period of testing right now because you see that slavery that comes. Slavery is man's idea, not God's. Bondage is an internal condition of the soul. Tyranny is the restriction of external movement within society. Those tyrannical leaders, these strong, oppressive leaders that say, you can sit here, you can go there, you can do this, 
And we know that through COVID-19, it gave great uh, exercise of the overreach of government to tell us, put this mask on your face. You can go here. You can't go there. You must stand six feet apart from people, all in the name of safety. But what happens when the government flexes its muscles like that, because many people in government office, they are there for the power to exercise over people. And people that believe in big government that should control the masses is just a step away from total tyrannical oppression. Now, compare that now with that backdrop of ideology and theology, the golden triangle of liberty. Now, this golden triangle of liberty has faith at the top, virtue, and then liberty. Now, this is the cycle that America was founded on. People came, whether it was the pilgrims and others, coming to uh, seek a place of freedom of worshiping the true and living God, the Judeo-Christian ethic. With a Bible under their arm, they came with their families, risking their lives, risking their wealth, risking everything to come and to embark on the grand experiment of a new world where they could exercise their faith without restriction. And that faith would produce virtue, which is moral excellence. They would be a moral people, not a perfect people, but a moral people instructed by the Lord. And that would lead to liberty. And this cycle leads to prosperity. This is the cycle that America has went through. Trusting in God. Look at our founding documents, whether it's the Declaration of Independence or our Constitution. Uh, four times the Lord, the Creator, is mentioned and talked about. Our founding fathers built the foundation, the founding documents of our nation on faith. And then those founding fathers said, hey, without the Bible, you cannot govern. This is what George Washington said. Because you need faith and morality. And I believe it was John Adams that said only the our American Constitution, our constitutional republic, only works for a moral people. Because if you remove faith in God, and which follows, there's a moral decline, then liberty begins to be restricted. We live in a nation where our leaders are pushing aside God. They are suppressing morality and they are bringing oppression. What has made America great is this ability to love God with all of our hearts and to have Him change our lives. Now, haven't you experienced that personally if you're watching? When the day you put your faith in God and you turn from your sin, you recognize your immorality, and you realize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died upon a cross for all of your sins so that you could be forgiven. Then He gave you the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to live a transformed life. And this transformed life brought this incredible freedom. His truth, as it says in John 8, 31 and 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Just a few verses after that, Jesus said, The Son of God, he will set you free. So you and I were set free. We had a new moral understanding of wanting to please God. It was no longer this uh, tables of the Ten Commandments on stone, but now God has written His will on our hearts, the fleshly tablets of our hearts in this new covenant, that it's not people out here morally telling me what to do. It's actually the Spirit of God and the work of God inside of me wanting to do the right thing. I want to trust God. I want to please God. And therefore, my life has a new version, a new form uh, of liberty that I had never experienced before. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that which is old, all things have become new. The old things have passed away. We're a new creation, a new creature in Christ. Now, this is true personally, but imagine it personally happening, and then in a family, and then in a community, and then in a nation. Can you imagine the faith 
the virtue and the liberty that culture is going to experience. It's amazing. It's like the children of Israel coming out of the bondage of Egypt, and they're out in the wilderness, some two to three million people, and they put their faith in God. He gave them the moral instructions of the Ten Commandments, and they had this incredible liberty to be free from the bondage of Egypt that was in the rearview mirror. And for 40 years, they were out there in the wilderness. Then they moved into a, a, the land, the promised land. And for 400 years, this was a nation of people. There were no prisons. There was faith in God, His moral instruction, and liberty. And every time they forgot God, and every time they went into immorality, they became slaves. They went into bondage. Because you see, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Spirit, the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When God's Spirit is working in your life, working in your family, you have this incredible liberty. And then Galatians 5.1 tells us, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. This is an exhortation to believers to be able to trust God and not get into the yoke of the bondage of the law, to get tripped up in their old life of bondage, but to maintain their faith in God, their moral virtue, and the liberty that God has given without being entangled. Now, we as a people and a nation are slowly getting, <laughs> losing our liberty because people are pushing God out of the picture. They are sinking in immorality and slavery is beginning to take place. Liberty is not man's idea. It's God's. Freedom is an internal condition of the soul. There's, nobody can control my faith inside. They can throw me in prison. They can take my life. But they cannot control the freedom that Jesus will bring to a human soul. But then that liberty to live in a nation, it is the external movement within society. So I have freedom on the inside through faith and a new moral compass inside. And I have this freedom, and yet I need to be in a society where there's liberty to be able to worship the Lord. And that's why out in society, you begin to lose, we're saying in this last year, civil liberties in an incredible way. This golden triangle, the forefathers understood. They understood that faith in God, moral virtue, and freedom or liberty is going to produce this cycle that brings blessing. It is such blessing and such a mystery that Alexis de Tocqueville wrote this about America. He was a guy from France, originally came over to examine the prisons of America and to write a book on it, but this is what he said in his observation. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there in her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. Get this, America is great because she is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. We are on the threshold of the fulfillment of Tocqueville's declaration. America is diminishing, removing faith in God, where the, the lives of unborn children are taken a million a year. Unbelievable, the slaughter that's going on. Our president, President Joe Biden, was going to speak at a commencement at uh, Notre Dame, and the students rose up and asked that he not come because he is pro-choice and believes in the taking of a life of an unborn child. The students themselves rose up when the President of the United States was going to come to their campus and speak to them. They rose up with the moral fiber that should rebuke the entire nation and said, we don't want a man or a president or a leader that comes here that thinks children in the womb 
can be subject to their lives being taken. Wow. We live in unprecedented times, don't we? Now, how is all of this coming into play? How is it beginning to unfold? Well, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who was really thought to be the founder of the French Revolution, though he died a decade before the French Revolution, the seeds of what he wrote. You see, what you believe affects how you behave. And the American Revolution was built on this idea of liberty for the individual to be able to worship God, live a moral life, and have liberty in society. That's what the American Revolution was about, to get under, out from underneath the tyranny of King George. Well, that inspired the French to also produce a revolution, but their belief system and their ideology was based in the black triangle of tyranny. No faith in God, immoral, and oppressive. Now, these two revolutions, because they happened about 12 years apart, are such an incredible case study to see the belief system of the black triangle of, of tyranny and the golden triangle of liberty. That's why thinking about America's insurrection in the future, and if we can cry out to the Lord and turn this around and good men and women can rise up and let their voices be known, let their influence be known, that good people would do good things in this season of life, it can change the course and the history of our country. We see that cycle happening over and over and over through the nation of Israel, and it can happen here in America too. I'm filled with hope. These are exciting times. These are historic times. These are heroic times for those who will stand for liberty, for faith, for morality, and for the liberty of the individual citizens. And as we come together, then we mutually want everybody's best in mind and give people the liberty to make the choices they need to. That in contrast, the American Revolution that produced the greatest nation in the history of the world with the golden triangle of faith, morality, and liberty, the French Revolution, and that, this is the seeds. Rousseau is thought to be the father of postmodernism. He began to write, he influenced all these individuals, and it is the seeds of what he wrote that produced the French Revolution that has now infiltrated academia from the 60s on in America. So now we have 60 years of indoctrination of children at all grade levels into the collegiate level, and now those people over the last 30 years, it's really took traction from the 90s on, those people are now all in places of power and authority, and they believe the roots, the seeds of what Rousseau taught. Listen to what Rousseau's belief system was. The citizen is no longer the judge. When the prince says to him, it is expedient for the state that you should die, he ought to die, because his life is no longer a mere bounty of nature, but a gift made conditionally by the state. Rousseau removed faith in God, and he put in its place the supremacy of the state, socialism, dictatorship, communism. That was his philosophy. Now, his uh, right-hand man, I love this because in this time of COVID, we, I just call this guy here uh, Maxi Roby. And Maxi Roby, notice what it says, led the Committee of Public Safety. <laughs> This guy was the public safety health officer, if you will. Have you heard much about that? All the uh, CDC and mandates and different things, all for our public health. They have restricted our freedom, ruined our businesses, closed up our schools, and told us where to sit down, shut up, and be quiet, and just listen to the government because they know what's best. Well, this committee of uh, the leader of the Committee of Public Safety in his speech to the National Assembly that terror justified. This is a guy that brought the revolution and the terror, the reign of terror in France. And this is what he said, lead the enemies of the people by terror. 
The basis of popular government during a revolution is both virtue and terror. Terror is nothing more than swift, severe, and inflexible justice. We see this happening with the public safety officers of the counties around the country, even still after an incredibly liberating Supreme Court decision for churches in California to be able to gather and to worship without restriction up in Santa Clara County, the uh, public uh, safety officer or health officer there, they continue to bring litigation against Calvary Chapel of San Jose and Pastor Mike McClure with $2 million in fines, and they are determined not to drop this lawsuit. They'll pivot and try to go at him at any angle they can because they're trying to produce terror, and they will not give up because they are determined to bully a church to shut down, to bow the knee to the state, Whereas people of faith say, you know what? It's more important for us to obey God rather than man. And he's told us to gather together and worship and to share his word and to preach the gospel and love one another and baptize people that are saved and have communion with one another, to greet each other with a holy kiss. We have incredible instructions from the Lord and we trust him through thick and thin seasons of sickness and disease and everything else because, hey, if we die in the arms of one another and faith in Jesus, then we get to go home to be in heaven. But we're not going to be locked down. Now, this public uh, maxi here, he, he uh, declared this. He accused, he arrested, and he beheaded. First, all the royalty, then the wealthy, then the farmers and businessmen, then those hoarding food, then the clergy, then the former revolutionary radicals who uh, he wanted to purge from his party. So he went down the list. He accused, arrested, and beheaded royalty, wealthy people, businessmen, farmers, people that had stored up food, and uh, the clergy, pastors. And then the radicals that were his fellow radicals that rose up, but he just didn't like them. So he either accused them, arrested them, or beheaded them. Now, 10,000 were arrested and died in prison without trial, so no due process. He just threw 10,000 in there. They died. 40,000 were beheaded by the guillotine. And uh, I am saying all of these things in contrast to the French Revolution because what we see happen in history in France is very much what is happening in the streets of America right now. The revolution that is going on within the streets of America, whether it's Minneapolis or Portland or Seattle, it's mob justice. And the uh, mob, I don't know if you remember, but Jeff Bezos, the... Uh, CEO of Amazon, uh, the owner of Amazon, he, outside his estate in Washington, the uh, rioters, they set up a guillotine as a picture of what was coming for him. I don't know if you saw this in the news up in Connecticut, the Amazon's building a big warehouse up there and they ceased uh, the progress of their project because they found the eighth hangman's noose hanging from the rafters. Vandals are getting in there and they're putting these hangman's nooses and eight of them, eight of them to try to intimidate and bully and to basically declare they're threatening a revolution. They're threatening this insurrection over business, over government, over the police force, over our education systems with critical race theory and all these different things. It's all a part of a package and there's gonna be a stellar video at the end of this you do not wanna miss that puts it all together and from decades past. Well, oh Maxi, you know what he did? The new secular government proceeded to forbid crosses as offensive. Christian religious monuments were destroyed. Public and private worship and education outlawed. Priests and ministers, along with those who harbored them, were executed on site. Christian graves were desecrated. Churches were closed or used for immoral purposes. As this all unfolded through this French Revolution, we look around today, in this last couple of years, we see what's been going on. Now, uh, this... Uh, Individual Westerman, he wrote to the Committee of Public Safety stating this. There was a specific area 
of France that was unwilling to bow the knee to the government. And it was Vendée. And Vendée was about a, a population of 300,000 people, all very strong Catholics, strong faith in God, strong morals, wanting liberty. They would not bow the knee to the tyranny of the French Revolution. And look what he writes back to the Committee of Public Safety. He said, there is no more Vendée. According to the orders that you gave me, I crushed the children under the feet of horses, massacred the women who, at least for these, will not give birth to any more brigands. I do not have a prisoner to reproach me. I have exterminated all. That's to the Committee of Public Safety through the French Revolution and justifying it by the command of the supremacy the supremacy. Interesting, if you delve into the, the, the fabric of that story, just a side note, I digress for a moment, but there was a, a young French officer that begged off sick during that period of time because he did not want to be a part of massacring the innocent people of Vendée. His name was Napoleon Bonaparte. Now, Napoleon Bonaparte later came on the scene. I'm not arguing for his moral virtues. What I am saying that his moral virtue at that moment said, I want no part in the slaughter of men, women, and children. And he acted like he was sick. Well, that was a good day to get a stomachache and not be a part of that. Well, we see not only in the American Revolution and the French Revolution that it's so important for citizens to speak up while the opportunity is there. And that's what we've been doing here at Vintage McCoy for the last 15 months, is speaking up about our liberty in Jesus and our liberty as citizens of the United States of America. During the German Holocaust and what took place there, a famous quote by Reverend Niemöller said this, this is a guy that was a church planter in his day. He was a pastor. He says, in Germany, they first came for the communists, and I didn't, didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me, and by that time, no one was left to speak up. You see, that's what we've been seeking to do, is to speak up about these things. Because the slow encroachment, or not even slow, I mean, this last year, it's like uh, the speed of a freight train. It's like James Madison said, I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachments by those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. You know, something's been surprising to me. It is the incredible obedience of the younger generation to all of this governmental oppression. That the, it's the 20 and 30 year olds that are acting crazy about the mass sometimes. And those who, uh, I mean, really statistically, as far as COVID's concerned, it'll be a relatively mild sickness, even if they get it. And yet it's this generation that when their civil liberties are taken away, it's as if they've lost nothing because they have no point of reference of history. And so it behooves us as the older generation that sees this in stark contrast of the overreach of government to be able to stand up and to speak up. Reverend Jonathan Mayhew, who is famous sermons, there was a motto that came out of his passionate teaching across the pulpit, and that is resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. You see, Christians are the best citizens in the nation. We pay our taxes. We love our families. We love our children. We're taking our kids to soccer practice. We're going to a job, and we're punching the clock, and we're involved in our communities, and we're doing all these things, and we're obedient to all the laws of the land until they tell us. You can't worship, you can't meet, you can't pray, you can't teach the Word of God, you can't gather. You say, wait a second. There is a point. I mean, we, pair, we, we render to Caesar what is Caesar's. There's a role of government, but there's also the role of God. 
and government is not God. Many years ago, this, this package was trying to catch uh, ground and traction back in the day, decades ago. This book report by a guy that I could not discover who is giving the book report, but the book and the content of this, you can order this, you can get this. What a great read. Manny Johnson's book, Color, Communism, and Common Sense. It lays out everything. This is decades and decades ago. It lays out everything. And here's a black guy that says, oh, this is what's going on. He, he, he wakes up a little bit like the Black Lives Matter guy that was in Minneapolis that founded the Black Lives Matter chapter this last two weeks ago. He uh, renounced Black Lives Matter and, and re realizes that they want to destroy the family and what their socialist agenda is. And, and he just woke up and now he's speaking out about it. Well, back in the day, decades ago, Manny Johnson wrote this book, Color, Communism, and Common Sense that the people of color and, and those who had a socialist agenda, and which is a, a, the socialist agenda is a stepping stone to stronger communism in that process, he saw it all back then. He saw it in the education. He saw it in the racial divide that people were trying to divide and to conquer our nation. Now, this clip is five minutes, and it's an old clip, but let me tell you, it is gold. It's like, it's prime gold. Mwah. It's perfect because it's saying decades ago what we are living through today. So check out this clip. Color, Communism, and Common Sense by Manning Johnson. Manning Johnson was a Negro, and he was also a member of the Communist Party. He joined the party as a young man because he honestly believed that the Communists were trying to improve the conditions of his people. He was a dedicated Communist. But after many years, Manning Johnson finally came to the realization that the communists weren't the least bit interested in improving the conditions of the Negro people. He discovered that instead they were merely planning to use his people, and these are his words, to use them as cannon fodder in a bloody revolution to destroy America. As early as 1928, the communists declared that the racial differences among our people constituted the weakest and most vulnerable point in our social fabric. By constantly probing and straining at this one spot, they calculated that eventually the cloth could be torn apart and that Americans could be divided, weakened, and perhaps even set against each other in open combat. We must not be led into placing the blame for the riots, the civil disorders, on the Negro people of our nation. Even those few who are promoting hatred and violence in the black communities are not themselves the cause. They're merely being used by forces far bigger than they are to promote the violent phase of the revolution in America. Hoping to avoid further violence and bloodshed, the public is to be pressured into accepting measures that will move the country gradually and legally toward communism, but without calling it that. The strategy of the proletarian revolution calls for the quiet conversion of our government into a communist regime, but under the banner of socialism. The uh, new program of the Communist Party on this subject has this to say. The term socialism describes but the first stage of a new society that in its full development is called communism. Socialism is a transitional stage. The building of socialism is the communist revolution in America. It represents the process whereby our country can be moved gradually toward communism without the people even being aware of it. They have one and only one solution for all problems. More government, more government, and then more and more until it's total government. Total government is communism. We must not be fooled into thinking that the causes of our civil turmoil are such things as poverty, poor housing, lack of education, and similar social or economic factors. As a matter of fact, most of today's self-styled revolutionaries, black and white, come from good homes, could earn better than average incomes if they wanted to work. And in fact, they're products of some of the finest institutions of higher learning. We mustn't resort to violence either as a means of furthering political or social goals and we must do everything humanly possible to discourage others from doing so. We must support our local police. 
nothing can be quite so damaging to police morale and efficiency as converting every arrest into a trial of the policeman instead of the criminal. Now in passing, ladies and gentlemen, you may have wondered why the Communist Party has been a staunch supporter of the drive to place a black studies curriculum into our high schools and colleges. Well, the reason becomes obvious the minute you take a look at the textbooks and the study guides. Under the guise of academic balance, these courses have become a brilliant device for conditioning young people to accept still one more part of the total program for revolution. We must discover the identity of those individuals, both above and below, who consciously are furthering the communist program for revolution, and then remove them from their positions of trust and leadership. Now, of course, the minute you begin to think along these lines, you'll become the target of a whole barrage of attacks. You'll be called a right-wing extremist, a fascist, or at least a dictator. Some years ago, I happened to attend a meeting where several anti-communist refugees from behind the Iron Curtain were called upon to relate their personal experiences. One of the refugees spoke up and he said, you know, I came to America expecting to find a nation of free men, but instead, I find exactly the same thing. Everywhere I look, I see men and women who know that communists are making headway in this country. They know that something must be done and that someone must stand up to them. But they themselves do nothing. They remain silent because they're afraid that if they speak out or take a stand publicly, it'll be bad for business. They may lose a client. They may even lose their jobs. If communism should ever come to America, we'll face more death, destruction, and human suffering than any people in history has ever faced at the hands of their invading conquerors. It's literally a question of life and death for all of us. And it's about time the American people began to face up to that fact and to act accordingly. Thank you. He said in five minutes what I would want to say over and over. The thing is, notice all the packaging is all still the same. The communists evaluated decades ago the weakest link in America is racial diversity. So they're going to attack that. They're going to get a curriculum, critical race theory, into our schools to indoctrinate the youth. And he gives us a simple plan. He says, first of all, we want to deal with this peacefully. We are speaking about these things. We're using our voice. We're using our influence. And then, as Christians, we can pray for God's help and wisdom, how to get involved, and not just stand on the sidelines. I don't believe he overstated it, and I don't believe that I'm overstating it. This is life and death for the United States of America, your involvement and my involvement. And then he gave us a simple plan. He says, look around your community, whether it's at the school board, whether it's on the, the city council or the county supervisors or in the Congress of the, at the state level or the Congress at the government level, the governors of the land and uh, the president, and you look at those who really there's this simple, simple uh, couple of thoughts that you can look for are those who are pushing forward the uh, critical race theory agenda. There are those who are uh, want bigger, 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 more control, more government, as uh, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris and the uh, Democratic Congress that are pushing forward this $6 trillion uh, budget to its bigger government, it's more money, it's to control you and to promise you things so they can stay in power in an office. But to find out those people that their agenda is right now that what we see in Washington, D.C., what is propagating out of Washington, D.C., what is propagating out of mainline media is socialism, socialism, socialism. And that is just the stepping stone to communism. People don't see it, especially the younger generation who have no point of reference with, with history. And now they're going to rewrite all the history books, right? So they won't even be able to see that. And he tells us, find out who those people are. And then you go through the peaceful process. Let's vote uh, to recall this governor. 
Let's vote to remove that person from the school board. Let's vote. We can pray. We can petition. We can, uh, in a peaceful way, our grievances. This is the United States of America. But if everybody, like his friends from behind the Iron Curtain of Communism back in the day, said the same thing's happening in America that we saw happening there, that people there saw government growing, and they said... We should do something, but nobody did anything. And if 10 years from now, people are fleeing America to find another land of liberty in the world, you can lay the blame squarely on your doorstep and my doorstep for not being a voice for liberty and standing up. Now, the golden triangle, trust God, have him transform your life morally and then operate in liberty and freedom and be able to produce that one person at a time across this land for liberty and for freedom. That's our call in this season of life. To everything there's a season, and this is the season to rise up, to speak up, to vote, to get involved in a peaceful way with all of the tools and mechanisms that God has granted to us and to be useful, to be salt and light so that our grandchildren can grow up in a nation where they can worship God, have their lives transformed morally and live in a society that is truly liberated and they experience that freedom and flow in society rather than being controlled by an oppressive, tyrannical government. So I leave it with this, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God bless you. Until next time here at Vintage McCoy. Hey, guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.